listening to Impact Sports Daily, WDBM's daily rundown of all things sports. And welcome back to Impact Sports Daily. Today is Thursday, November 11th. I am your host, Matt Merrifield, and I'm joined today with Jacob Phillips. we got a full slate of sports to discuss today, so let's get right into it. First, Tuesday night, Michigan State basketball opened their season against Kansas at Madison Square Garden in the Champions Classic. The Spartans did lose 87-74. to They had some struggles, but a big note to take away was A.J. Hogard led the team with scoring with 17 points, had a very impressive performance. Jacob, what were your thoughts on the game? Yeah, I think, first of all, we really got to appreciate Hogard being able to come away with from that game with 17 points. I wasn't really expecting that kind of performance from him uh, in, in this game. I was kind of expecting Tyson Walker to put forward some effort like that. We'll kind of get touch on that a little bit here, but uh, you know, not a not a great start to the season. But from an individual standpoint, I think Hogard certainly did perform better than expected. Yeah, definitely. A uh, big question coming into the season and a struggle from last season was point guard play for this Michigan State team, and seeing that everybody expected Walker to come in and light it up, especially coming into tonight with the or Tuesday night with the big stage of Madison Square Garden. Hogard was the one that came in, came in and stepped up, put in a lot of work in the offseason. It's nice to see that once we expect Walker to get acclimated, it should be awesome to see these two guys go together and really be a great point guard tandem for this team. Yeah, and I think we can't, you know, underestimate the amount of pressure it must have been, you know, flying out, playing in Madison Square Garden to start the season off. All eyes are on you. You're going up against Kansas, one of the top-ranked teams in the country. So I think there's a little bit of leeway in terms of, you know, not performing up to expectations. It's a tremendous amount of pressure. Yeah, definitely. And for Michigan State, they start, started the season as the 26th team in the country. They were the first team, or they had the mo- received the most votes in the AP poll to not be ranked. And, I mean, you come into Madison Square Garden and you play Kansas to start the season. That's a tough matchup. Obviously, we do it, or the Spartans do it every year. Uh, but I thought there were some uh, moments in the game where they really seemed like they were playing better than Kansas. Uh, throughout the late first half, early second half, it was right there. Uh, they struggled, had a massive amount of turnovers. They just could not keep possession every time they went on a run or got it within a couple points. They just seemed to make some crucial mistakes that let Kansas take take over again. But I think that what we saw was some positives. There were a lot of question marks coming in for this team, especially after the struggles that they had last year, right? Just barely making the tournament, playing in that last four or first four round. Um, but I definitely think that they showed that they will be a much improved team to this year. And there's still a lot to improve, or there's still a lot for them to grow into, right? Max Christie, our five star freshman. The five-star freshman is definitely going to, once he develops and truly takes on a role in this offense, he's going to be a huge difference maker. Tyson Walker, when he gets acclimated, is going to make a difference. So it's just a matter of just settling in, riding the, the struggles of the early season, and then once this team gets rolling, it's going to be an exciting team to watch. Absolutely. And I think if you take away that massive amount of turnovers from that game, you have a totally different result. I think if Michigan State can start coming into their own and really – get a feeling on how to control the ball and maintain possession and not turn it over, I think it's a really dangerous team for all those other schools to look out for. You know, and even though we lost 87-74, to I still think Michigan State put up a pretty good performance 
again, they're Kansas ranked, I think it was number three in the country. So I don't really know if anyone is expecting Michigan State to run away with it on Tuesday. But I think that it it's not a disappointing result to see. No, if you de- definitely if you watched the game, you definitely saw some positives. Um, rebounding was an issue for this team last year. That was uh, they out rebounded Kansas last night, which is really nice to see. Bingham Marble really stepped up down low. Marble was really impressive. He was our sec- he was the second leading scorer with thirteen yeah thirteen points off the bench for Julius Marble. Uh, yeah, the turnover seventeen that just that can't happen. That's or sixteen sorry sixteen turnovers can't happen, and uh, free throw shooting they were. 9 of 16 from the free throw line. That's just, those are points you really can't leave, especially when Kansas got to the free throw line a lot more than you did. You have to take those points when they're given to you. But the Spartans will have an opportunity to bounce back tomorrow night at home against Western Michigan at 6.30. So make sure we'll, we'll, we'll get to see how the team responds and how they are able to bounce back against a Western Michigan team. Moving on, we now had the second college football rankings released on Tuesday night at halftime of the Champions Classic. The new top four is Georgia still at one, Bama still at two, Oregon moved up to three, and Ohio State is now the fourth team in the college football playoff rankings. Michigan State, due to their loss to Purdue last weekend, fell all the way to seven. Jacob, what were your what was your reaction to seeing the new rankings this weekend or this week? So. I'm not really surprised that Michigan State dropped to seven. Um, and in the AP poll, we dropped to number eight. So we're up, or Michigan State's about the same place in both. And I was honestly expecting Michigan State to drop lower because Purdue was unranked at the time. I, I still think they're unranked, either that or they're – okay, so they're, they're actually 19th right now in the college football rankings. But – I find it hard to believe that Oregon is ranked above Ohio State and Michigan is now in college football playoff ranked higher than the Spartans. I think that's a massive inconsistency. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Obviously, when the rankings first came out on ESPN, you saw uh, the guy, the talking heads going right at it about the inconsistency. You see it everywhere. Um, I definitely agree with you about there needs to be a consistency of these teams. Michigan and Michigan State played 11 days ago, not even two weeks. Right? Why? What has changed? Obviously, you could make the argument that Michigan did play the better game, right? They did out. Um, they had more total yards in Michigan State. They dominated for two and a half quarters, but in the end, State did win. So you have to think that counts for something. Otherwise, why play the individual game, right? You have to think that the final result does matter, and especially when. When it comes to Ohio State, Oregon, I'd I'd be more inclined to put Ohio State ahead of Oregon, even though they lost, because that was week two, right? That was the second week of the season, early September. Teams are figuring themselves out. It was C.J. Stroud's second career start in college football. Now he looks like a Heisman contender. So I think Ohio State's a much different team. If they were to play again, I would I would take Ohio State to win over Oregon. Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong, but since Ohio State faced Oregon in week two, they brought in a new coordinator if I'm not mistaken, they really seem to shift around some of their strategy. So I completely agree with you that this is a completely different Buckeyes team than we saw in Week 2. Yeah, they definitely look much different. They obviously, for a couple weeks there, weren't tested much playing teams like Akron, Tulsa, uh, some of the lower teams in the Big Ten East. They did play Penn State. It was a closer game than people expected, 
But Penn State's still a very good team. They have a great defense. And then the Nebraska game, they struggled. But Nebraska, once again, has a very good defense that shuts teams down. But they were able to pull out a tough game on the road. Uh, we'll get to see how good Penn State really is. They get to play Purdue this time at home. So uh, I think ranking Purdue might actually help Ohio State's chances because no one, that stat of, what is it now, 16? on You beating six, uh, 16 top five ranked teams? That, that no longer goes out the window because uh, Purdue is now, is now ranked at 19 in this week's rankings. But should still be interesting to see that, uh, see if Aiden O'Connell can put together another great performance. Yeah, I think one of the one of the key things to remember about Purdue is that they really play to the level of the competition when it comes to games that are in top five rankings. If they're not a team to look at and go, oh, they're unranked, they're going to be an easy game. They are quite the opposite. They are the trap game that every school should fear. Yeah, and they're, uh, the atmosphere that stadium, ross Aid Stadium, creates is awesome watching that game on Saturday. And they were the fans were re- definitely ready. They definitely uh, came out and supported their uh, supported the spoiler makers and really, really uh, made a difference in that game. That's something that can't go un, uh, unsaid. I also think that going back to the college football rankings, the some of the rankings towards the back end, right, the fifteen through twenty five, there are some inconsistencies. Uh, obviously, Auburn lost a uh, tough game to A and M last weekend. They really struggled to move the ball, so putting up just three points to get at AM. They're obviously still sitting at 17, but Penn State, who I mean, I would say handled them pretty easily. I know that was back in week three, week four of the season, but Penn State still remains unranked when they have two losses to top 25 teams, right? They lost to Iowa on the road close, and then obviously they kept, they lost it by just nine points at Ohio State. Obviously, the Illinois loss is probably the one that kills them, but I think it's. I think it's weird how they aren't even considered in the rankings, but I wonder what your thoughts were. Yeah, I really think it's interesting that Penn State isn't ranked when you've got teams like Wake Forest being put at number 12. This, this isn't to say that Wake Forest doesn't deserve that because going 8-1 and one in their conference, I mean, it's still impressive, but Penn State going up against teams like Ohio State, I think it's really almost an insult to see them not ranked even at the lower end uh like somewhere between 20 and 25 especially when you've got teams like Utah and Arkansas that are 6 and that are both 6 and 3 ranked 24 25 I I think that Penn State has a valid case to be brought in at least at that lower end right definitely cuz their two of their wins they beat Wisconsin on the road to start the season who is currently ranked in the top 20 you beat Auburn who is currently ranked in the top 20 and then two of their losses at Iowa by just three points, at Ohio State by just nine points. So you definitely played these top teams close. They definitely have proven that they are a top 20 team in the country. I don't think anybody doubts that. I think it just comes back to the Illinois game, but that was, I mean, everybody drops weird games all year. It's college football. It's bound to happen. Yeah, and Penn State didn't necessarily play a bad game against Illinois. I mean, you took it to nine overtimes. So it, it clearly was not a game that they just flat out lost. I just think Illinois was able to dig deep and come away with it in the end. You know, but upsets happen. It's part of college football. I I would not be surprised if Penn State if we see Penn State get ranked in the top twenty in the next week or so. 
I definitely think if if they beat Michigan this weekend, which that's going to be a very fun game to watch at noon, um, it's definitely you're you have to put them in at that point. You beat a top five, top six team on the road or at home. I think you have to put them in at that point. But we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, and you have the potential to restructure Big Ten rankings. Yeah, definitely. Um, you now another thing I thought was interesting about the playoff: Oklahoma still sits at eight. Uh, they are nine and zero on the year. They've had, I mean, they've had. I would say their season would be should be split into two. They had the Spencer Rattler start to their season, and then once Caleb Williams has stepped in, they've looked like a much different team. Right uh, early on, they were beating. I mean, Western or West Virginia, Tulane, Nebraska, all by one possession, and then once Caleb Williams stepped in, they've really taken it to another level, winning some big time ga- or winning by some big scores against other Big Twelve opponents. I just thought. It's kind of interesting how they're leaving them towards the back end of the teams that still have a shot to get in. I was wondering what your thoughts were. Yeah, it's really interesting to see Oklahoma ranked. Uh, sorry, I lost track of the rankings list. They're, they're eighth. Yeah, so it's, it's really interesting to see Oklahoma ranked eight when you've got Cincinnati ranked fifth. You know, I would say that Oklahoma plays a tougher schedule than Cincinnati. And both teams right now being undefeated. I really think it's interesting that they chose Cincinnati to be ranked not just one place higher, but two positions higher. So I, I really think Oklahoma, in all honesty, should be in that number five slot instead of Cincinnati. Yeah, definitely. Especially when the uh, committee talks about style points and winning, especially when your schedule isn't as tough for teams like Cincinnati. And you could argue that Baylor's has not been very difficult thus far. But, I mean, you look at the last three weeks, Cincinnati beat Tulsa at home by eight points, which they should have lost that game. Tulsa, sorry, Tulsa, not Tulane. Tulsa had an opportunity to tie it and tend to overtime, right? They fumbled the ball on the one-yard line late in the game. Uh, Tulane kept it close. Navy on the road, you you struggled with. So, and obviously the Notre Dame road game, road win has to count for something, and I think that's really what the uh, committee is holding on to. But I think in the last, you know, five-ish weeks, you've definitely seen that Oklahoma is a much better team. But I also think Oklahoma, the door is still open for them, right? They head to Baylor this weekend, the number 13 team in the country. They win that one. You also have Oklahoma State, the Bedlam rivalry, the last week of the season on the road. You win that one. That Those are two top 15 wins. And then you're going to play one of those two teams again in Dallas for the Big 12 championship. So I think if they go 13-0, and you win the Big 12, they're going to get a spot in. It's just they need to get these wins to truly bolster their resume. And, I mean, once again, the committee's going to – everything's going to sort itself out, I think, even with the Michigan-Michigan State stuff. I think a come Selection Sunday, we'll all know, and we'll, I don't think there will be as many um, discrepancies as there are right now. Yeah, I think you've got a couple more weeks left in the regular season with some really crucial games that will – finalize this playoff structure that right now is kind of up in the air. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I, the only thing I'm worried about with the playoff is come two weeks from now, or three weeks, uh, four weeks now, sorry, because after the uh, conference championships, you'll have, if Oregon wins out, right, if Ohio State wins out, Oklahoma wins out, and if Bama, the only way I see Bama getting in is if they beat Georgia in that conference championship. If they if Bama beats Georgia, then they'll both get in at one and two. If Bama loses to Georgia, I'm not sure they're going to be able to keep them in. They probably will. 
but we'll have to wait and see on that one. So I think if Bama does beat Georgia, which I have a feeling will happen, then you're really going to have a log jam at the top, and then we're going to have to find out if that Ohio State-Oregon win really makes a difference because Ohio State, Lake Oklahoma, has an opportunity now to beat a top-20 team in Purdue, a top-7 team in Michigan State, the number six team on the road in Michigan, and then beat whoever comes out of the West. So that's most likely going to be four top 25 teams and to finish out the season. So, and while Oregon will play, Oregon has, let me see if I can find it. Uh, they, they just beat a Washington team that was considered a tough win that, I mean, Michigan blew out at home earlier in the season. And obviously Washington is a much different team now, but uh, Oregon plays Washington at Washington State this weekend. They play at Utah, who's 24th currently next weekend, and then Oregon State. And then whoever they play out of the south of the Pac-12, which it just to me, I don't know how you can keep Oregon ahead of Ohio State in the next four weeks with all the games, with just the true discrepancy in the schedule. Ohio State definitely has a tougher schedule, and I think that is definitely enough to put them ahead of Oregon. But then again, they have to beat all four of those teams, right? They have to come out, show up against Purdue, Michigan, Michigan State, for in a, for four weeks in a row, that's going to be really tough to do for them. Yeah, I agree that Ohio State, they they definitely have the opportunity to come away from this last stretch with four wins, but it will be difficult, to say the least, going up against potentially four top 20 teams. It'll really be a challenge, and it will really be a proving moment for Ohio State to see, can they stick it out for four weeks consistently having these power matchups definitely and my last thought on the playoff rankings from this week I think the real takeaway from Michigan being ranked ahead of a house or of Michigan State is that come uh selection Sunday when they release the final rankings let's say both teams beat Penn State and Maryland but they both lose to Ohio State Ohio State will probably be getting into the playoff at that point I think they're setting it up so that way Michigan gets their bid to the Rose Bowl over, and so Michigan State will probably play in the Peach Bowl or the Fiesta Bowl, I believe, are the two other bowl games, which is now a big deal. Obviously, Mel Tucker in his first season at Michigan State, you said, "Hey, they're gonna go play in the they're gonna go play in a uh, New Year's Six Bowl." It'd be awesome to hear, but it's definitely tough to see that you beat a team head to head and you're not gonna get the bid over them to play in the Rose Bowl. But it'll all work itself out come uh, come Selection Sunday. Yeah, and I think the one bit of hope if Michigan does get that Rose Bowl bid. Uh, for Michigan State, you're coming off of the last bowl game you went to in 2019 was the Pinstripe Bowl in New York against Wake Forest. So I think with a two-year turnaround, the Spartans can at least come away with this from this season with the fact that there has been dramatic improvement in the Mel Tucker era. Yeah, I think any New York Six Bowl would would really be a just a great nod towards how what what a season this has been for Michigan State and hopefully the success they can continue. Moving on. Thursday night football is tonight. The Baltimore Ravens travel to Miami, take on the Dolphins. Uh, some interesting storylines heading into tonight. Uh, Tua is a game-time decision with his finger injury. He obviously missed last week where the uh, – so Jacoby Brissett had to sub in. Uh, Lamar lit up Miami two years ago, the last time the Ravens and Dolphins played each other. He threw for five touchdown passes in the week one matchup between the two teams. So definitely, and obviously these two teams are having much different seasons. So it definitely should still be an interesting one on Thursday night. It always is. I was wondering what your thoughts were. Yeah, I really think we'll see Jacoby Brissett start or at least take over and play most of this game. I think Tua being a game-time decision 
is they're they're really waiting because they don't want to start Jacoby Brissett. He really had a tough game against the Texans last week, going 26 for 42 with two interceptions and a fumble. So I think Miami's really holding out hope that Tua is able to start, but I'm not seeing it. Even It's a finger injury, so it's something minor, but for a quarterback, it's a world of difference. Exactly, and if uh, obviously tonight they're going to have to throw the ball a lot. I think the Ravens are going to put up a lot of points. Um, that offense has been awesome lately, and I think it's going to continue, especially Miami's defense has struggled this year, which I thought has been interesting, especially for how good it was last year. But, yeah, I think I expect Tua to start, but I agree that I could see a scenario where Jacoby Brissett comes in and tries to save, uh, try and save the game and try and keep it close. But, um, yeah, I definitely think that the Ravens are going to take it to him tonight. Um, they've had a great start to the season. Lamar has been awesome, and I don't see any reason why it won't continue against the Dolphins tonight. Yeah, I think with the Dolphins' defense really struggling, I think Lamar Jackson, whether or not it's getting the ball out to receivers, handing it off, or even just running it himself, he's going to be able to dominate the field in Miami. I think that's no question, which I'm really surprised to see that the spread is limited to 7.5 for this game. I really would expect it to be a lot more, at least 10 points in favor of Baltimore. Yeah, especially for the t- uh, just the two different seasons these teams are having. Obviously, both teams are expected to have good years. Baltimore is still expected to be a contender, a top team in the AFC North and the, the AFC as a whole, which they've still continued that. They look really good to start the season. And Miami, they had a solid year last year, just missed the playoffs, and the expectation was that they were going to continue to move forward, especially with the draft picks they had last year. And that has obviously not been the case. They're now 2-7 and seven after that win last week against uh, the Texans. So I, it's, it's tough to say for where that team is headed. It's definitely surprising to see where they're at right now. And I, I, I think many are starting to worry about whether or not Tua is the guy for that team. And I definitely think that's going to be a storyline, especially with some top quarterbacks, really good quarterbacks coming into the draft next year. Yeah, so I think that really Baltimore and Miami are polar opposites in this matchup. You've had Baltimore, who has had a fantastic season so far, with a couple of rough patches, going up against Miami, who has had a really disappointing season with a couple of takeaway victories. So, I mean, it's no surprise I would take Baltimore in this. Uh, In terms of Tua, I think they give him at least one more year. And, And I know that Miami has given Tua one more year for the past two years now. But I think Tua isn't necessarily the problem. He's just not the solution. I think there's a lot more issues plaguing their team than just the quarterback position. And I think if I were the head coach and general manager, I would want to plan offseason moves to bolster the team around Tua right now. And then after next year, potentially look at, you know, trading someone for him or perhaps, you know, get a mid to late round draft pick, someone that can sit behind Tua and Jacoby Brissett and try and learn and kind of build up those skills to lead the team. Yeah, definitely. I think that they I could see them setting him setting him up and giving him all the weapons and making sure that he so he has no excuses next year. Um, the one thing I am. I think about Tua is that he isn't he strikes me as a Jared Goff type quarterback where if you give him the pieces 
he can succeed, right? You saw that. I mean, you saw that at Alabama, right? All the receivers and weapons he had there. And he truly, and he was a Heisman contender every year he was there. And now he's coming in. He's got to make his own, right? He's got to try and step up and be the guy and lead the offense and make what he's make good with what he's got. And he just hasn't been able to do it. So I, I can see that next year, all right, we're going to sure up the what receivers. We're going to give you enough. We're going to bolster the old line as much as we can. And then it's sink or swim. So I definitely think they'll probably give him another year. It's just something to see because some teams aren't going to be as patient with him. Yeah, and I mean, coming off of several injuries already, I think Tua's one of those quarterbacks that, you know, as a as a team from Miami's perspective, you look at and you say, we we really don't want to cut you, but you are just too much of a liability for this team. He's too he costs too much in terms of uh, playmaking and having to bolster the team around him to keep on, he's certainly not worthy of a franchise tag for Miami. That that much is a given. He will not be their quarterback five years from now unless he does a complete 180 and starts killing it. I agree. Uh, what's your, do you have a score prediction for tonight? Uh, I don't know exactly what I would predict in terms of score. I know the over-under set at 46.5. I would probably take Baltimore by... 14 honestly yeah, which it is saying a lot because I, I i typically like to play a little bit more conservative in terms of taking teams by three seven max but i think there's just a very clear difference between these two teams yeah i expect it to be a 35 38 to 10 17 game i think it's definitely be a multi-score uh the ravens are definitely a win by multiple scores um and the Ravens, a win tonight would put them at 7-2 and two on the year and would really put them as one of the top teams in the AFC and a true Super Super Bowl contender. Where do you think, who else do you think is a Super Bowl contender this season? It's really hard to say, uh, especially for the AFC, because I went into this season thinking the Bills had a really good chance and they've really struggled this season a lot more than I thought they would. They're certainly not performing to the expectation that we all had after last year, which really is surprising. Uh, I, I think, again, there is definitely some chance for them to get to the Super Bowl, but I would I would probably take someone like the Browns, if they can get healthy, or the Ravens from the AFC to go to the Super Bowl. I, I don't quite know if Cincinnati is there. They have been impressive, but I don't think they are as proven as Baltimore or Cleveland yeah I would definitely have like two tiers right you have the true Super Bowl contenders which probably I'd only have Baltimore and probably Buffalo I mean even though Buffalo struggled this year and last week was not probably the worst performance I've ever seen Josh Allen play but well depending on which Josh Allen you're talking about but um, I still think the Bills they're really good they have a great offense great defense and they were good last year they've still continued to play really well and then Baltimore obviously has been great and then in that second tier, you have teams like the Browns. I put the Titans there now because of the Derrick Henry injury. So if he comes back for playoff time, that can change that. Um, I think that you put the Chargers in that list. I think the Chiefs have fallen into that list just because their defense is so bad. They just really struggle against teams that they shouldn't. Uh, like even last weekend, they should not. That that The Green Bay game was like, except it was just, it was tough to watch. Yeah, it, it really was a close game that, at that point, following it up up to about halftime, I thought that Kansas City should have been able to run away with it. But 
of course, they then struggled to even to, to limit Green Bay. Right. And you definitely see how big of a difference Aaron Rodgers is on that Green Bay team. If he plays third Sunday, I think they handle the Chiefs. But I also think it could have been a much different game because I think there would have been a lot more scoring from the standpoint where the Chiefs would have opened up the offense a bit more. And on the NFC side, I would say the Packers are a contender with Aaron Rodgers healthy. Obviously, he should be back for this week. Um, I think that the the Bucks are a close one for me. I think the Rams are definitely a contender. They they just that all that team is so good. And oh, absolutely. I think the Bucks. My issue with them is that they really the issues that they have. If you exploit them, they're not that they're not that great. Obviously, they struggle against the Saints for whatever reason. Um, and then they just they don't strike me as a true Super Bowl contender, although they are the reigning champs. Yeah, and, and now of course you have Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin dealing with injuries. They're not season ending in any way. They're not major, but they're going to limit a couple games. And I really think that it's kind of showing the age of this Tampa Bay team. They're not young. I would say uh, the Rams are a really young team, with the exception being Matt Stafford. But I think. Tampa Bay really has a lot of veteran players that they've really got to protect from getting injured because if they do, it really starts to crumble from there. Yeah, I definitely put, for my Super Bowl contenders from the NFC, the true top tier like Baltimore, Buffalo would be L.A. and the Packers. I think those are the top two teams in the conference. And then teams like the Cowboys, the Bucks, and the Cardinals are like your second tier. They're really good. They're obviously going to be playoff teams, and it's just when, when playoff time comes – can they put it all together and really show that they are the top team? Yeah, and of course, once we get into playoffs, it's a complete different mindset from these teams. I think you'll have Green Bay hungry to get back to another Super Bowl after so many years of being denied that opportunity. You'll have Matt Stafford and the Rams looking to really make this a year. of you know Matt Stafford's debut as a Ram has been really exciting to watch. He has been such an impressive choice for the Rams. Uh, and I would have to agree that, you know, Tampa Bay has a good playoff mindset, but the way they, they have been performing this year really seems to be limited. They're certainly not where they were last year. I would definitely agree. And, I mean, part of the Tampa Bay point, there were times last year where they looked like this team did now. Like There were times, like, like I'll say, like they did not look a good uh, – like the Saints, the Saints make them look really human. Like they just, I don't know what it is about Sean Payton's game plan, but they, uh, Tom Brady has struggled in all three. I mean, I would even say in the playoffs last year, even though they beat them in that divisional round, the Saints were probably the better team. Um, and I just, I think the Bucks, they're just, they're a very good team, but I definitely think they're, uh, they're definitely more flawed than I think people realize. I think if anything, Washington last year proved that all it takes is a really strong core defensive structure because Washington really didn't have an offense. I mean, you're talking about bringing in a fresh quarterback, Taylor Heineke, and that was a close playoff game last year between Washington and Tampa Bay. So I think I think that's the biggest issue is that you have, like for instance, Green Bay, that teams that don't have that really solid defense to lean on and I think that would be something to watch out for in the playoffs for Tampa Bay. Yeah, definitely. Actually, Tampa plays uh, Washington this weekend, so it definitely should be interesting, an interesting matchup. But anyways, that's going to do it for us today on Thursday, November 11th. 
Thank you for, I'm Matt Merrifield with Jacob Phillips today. Thank you for listening. Have a great rest of your day. You've been listening to Impact Sports Daily.